Yeah, give them a hand. It's now my honour to introduce an incredible, would you say young man, young at heart? He's pretty young at heart, Colin. <laughs> and uh, whenever, Colin <laughs> whenever Colin shares, he, um, he does present the words so beautifully and he has a... <laughs> he's cracking Marion up. <laughs> um, yeah, he's got such a love for the word and I know the word he has to present to us this morning is really good and I'm expectant. So let's give Colin a big hand. Thank you, Colin. If you need to be on, if you're on sound desk, it's not that difficult because all you need to do is count up to three, isn't it? Testing, testing, one, two, three. As speaks a person who's often on sound desk anyway. But um, I wasn't sure whether to use iPad or MyPad, but we'll get to that. Um, we're getting a bit of feedback there, Murray? Okay. Well, I've got to apologise for those who've heard me last time. I don't have any fancy PowerPoints, um, presentations, and um, we're still getting something off this. But uh, I do have the Word of God. Is that enough? Yeah, that'll do, will it? I hope so. And I was quite mindful that it's the new year. Now, I've got to put my watch here to be mindful that I'm not to go over an hour and a half, isn't it? Um, <laughs> well, I've got to give the pretense of going on the time. But yeah, Father, we do just come around your word. Lord, Holy Spirit, just enlighten us. Open our hearts to see what you would say to us today. Amen. The Lord's fantastic, isn't he? Well, I want us to, this morning to look at Psalm 46. I'm going to go through a section of it pretty quickly and I'm going to camp on one line. Now, I don't know if they've got the first line up there, but it's to the choir master of the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. That's the first line of Psalm 46. Did we get it up there? Yes, it is. And I actually looked up the sons of Korah the other day. Did you know they were Levites? Did you know John the Baptist was a Levite? His father was in the priesthood, wasn't he? Jesus was a Levite? No wonder that got everybody upset in that time, hey? But these were the sons of Korah who were Levites who were known for writing their songs. According to Alamoth, apparently that's the um, female voice or falsetto, they don't know, but there's a lot of the old, the parts in the old Hebrew that they have no idea about. But it goes on that God is our refuge and strength, our very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. It's interesting that in the beginning there he says, God is our refuge and strength, our very present help in trouble. That is the powerful one who comes to in trouble. It's interesting when you go back and look into the Hebrew. I don't know who else who knows Hebrew. I don't know much of it. I've got some good concordances. And if you do know Hebrew, you're going to have to forgive me for a lot. But I only use the concordances because I haven't learned the language. But God is the very powerful one who comes to help in trouble. 
Therefore we'll not fear for the, uh, uh, though the earth gives way. How many of you have actually found the earth give way in your life? The word earth there means firmness. And I'm just so mindful of the times where the things I counted on did not hold up. I got divorced. Things you were thinking were pretty stable in your life. And it's so easy for us to stay in that place of where our troubles are. And the psalmist is saying here, God is our refuge and strength. He is the one that we need to be holding on to in this time. Okay? This is how he starts the psalm. And they are having troubles. They are having their fights and they are having their persecutions. But then he goes on to the next verse and says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. I just got to see where they're swapping over. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord. How he has brought desolation on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. I find this an interesting section too because he is really focusing on the supply of God and the power of God in the lives of the people. In that verse there that God, that there is a river whose streams is actually the, one of the lexicons translates that as artificial waterways. And I have this vision of a river running from God and into the city of God to every person, there's an aqueduct just running to every person so that they can be made glad. That's to rejoice. That's to shout with joy at what God is doing in their midst. And he says, come behold to see, it's travel to see the works of the Lord. These are things that we are wanting to see. He's encouraged us to focus on the, and realise these things in God. That this is what the God is who we're coming before. Reassuring ourselves and securing ourselves in God. This is where the psalmist is writing and then he comes to the verse 10. And there's an interesting change here. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. It's at this point, after we've been focusing on God, that God can actually speak into our lives. Now, God is speaking here and saying, Be still and know that I am God. It's an invitation from God into his presence. God wishes for us to actually see his power in our lives. It's, 
it really speaks to me of the deep heart's desire, as we were singing of the loving God, that his desire is for us to one-on-one -on -one come before him. All right? It comes out of relationship. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus or God through Jesus Christ, you need to review where your life's going. It is a most essential thing in life to have that relationship where you can say, I know God and God knows me. The devils believe in um, Jesus and they tremble. A lot of people believe in Jesus, but is the relationship there? And that's what they're talking about in this psalm. And then our final declaration is the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And I always wondered why they always used to say the God of Jacob. Because they never spoke the name of God. They said, the God who's done it for Jacob, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, he's the God I'm following. That was their declaration in that final part. Now let's go back and we're going to camp on be still and know that I am God. There's two sections there, the be still and, the, and to know. And the word for to know is to ascertain by seeing. It's a visual thing. God wants us to see that he is God. That's the whole purpose of this verse. Has anyone seen the movie Avatar? Put your hand up. Yep, I saw it in 3D. My first 3D movie, I saw it at Hornsby Cinemas. And it was actually fantastic 3D. You wanted to put out your hand and take the little creatures that came down, you know? You wanted to brush the ash away that was falling. It was real 3D in your face. And I actually went and bought the... Santa gave me the DVDs for Christmas. Don't believe in Santa? Me either, but yeah. He gave it to me for Christmas. And um, we were watching it, and there was a, a, scene, a, a phrase there that they, when they greet each other, they come up and they put their hands on the shoulder of the other person, and they say, I see you. And this wasn't, you know, I'm looking at you. Oh, hi. It was, I see the whole person of you. I see your body, soul, and spirit. I see everything that's in you. And I just love that phrase in there because God wants us to come and see the completeness of him. The whole purpose of being still in this verse is to know his power, to see it released in our lives, in the lives of others around. In the midst of trouble and strife, no guys, that's not the guy, the, your wives. That's the old English phrase, the trouble and strife was the slang for the wife. No. <laughs> I love Lynn, I love Lynn. <laughs> It's good when people know you, isn't it? It's actually better when they don't. Um, <laughs> oh, you've got to have fun. The psalmist writes, as the psalmist writes earlier about the trouble and the strife, do we envisage, do we perceive, do we apprehend God in, the, in that place? Who's gone through a year where they have found it difficult with the troubles, with the situations, to be able to focus on God? 
There have been parts in our year somewhere, I'm sure, where you wanted to say, you know, you just said, Lord, I just can't do this sort of thing. But he wants us to envisage and see and apprehend God's presence and effect in the situation. To this point, to see, there are several sides of it. There's to see him in nature. We can all do that, can't we? You enjoy nature, going out down the beach. You can see him in other people's lives. Oh, why, is it, why are you blessing that person? That's so easy, isn't it? But do we see him in our own lives? Do we accept him in our lives to be the one who is going to work in that situation? There's also the aspect of seeing God in the future, seeing that he's got everything planned and ahead. But in this psalm, the primary emphasis is seeing God through the miraculous, seeing God exalted and raised above all the else. I don't know where you're at, but I know that I'm at the place where I can always find more room and more capacity to understand and to focus on God. Here the psalmist is also saying that we need to take time out to focus on God. 100% on what God wants to do in our lives, what God can do around us. And sometimes we just have to come to that point where we say, God, I can't see it right now. Help my unbelief. Help me to see you more in your life, in my life. Because our life is missing something. And believe you me, I've done that through my life. And God is just so faithful. He opens up things. Be careful about praying things like, Lord, give me more faith. All right? Done that one? That lasted for nearly a year going through bits and pieces. And I've learned more faith. I've learned not to pray it too often. <laughs> but the Lord is faithful. The Lord is above it. Now we're going to come to that part in the verse that says, to be still. Anyone seen the movie Chocolat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have the phrase there, tranquillité. Yeah, the tranquilness, the peace. Down the beach, we love it in the morning, don't we? The tranquility, the quiet. Going for a walk in the bush, walking away from the home, just getting out of the house watching a river flow. And if you can't get out of the house sometimes, just putting a sock in the kids' mouths. Um, no, sorry, you know. <laughs> but you, we need to find that place, don't we? But millions do. Millions do, and the world is not getting better. Millions do because they are missing a focal point. Here, it, it's actually talking. It takes an effort to do this stillness, which I'll come to in a second. I remember the other day I went to my neighbour and I told them that I did absolutely nothing the other day and she said, did you get totally engrossed in it? And I said, yes, but I still don't know if I finished it. <laughs> but it's not that, is it, either? God is far above it. And I was actually interested to see that be still, that still is actually a verb, a doing word. 
right? And various trans it gets translated into various words to sink, to release, to let go, to grow slack, to cast down, to fade away. Different contexts, it actually speaks of these various things about this, using this word to be still. And it really spoke to me. Now, for those who have been around with me before, they know you can't have a message from me without having a colonisation, because my name's Colin, you see. So I have to put it into my own words and come up with a colonisation. And, um, and my colonisation is, is, is to empty yourself, to focus off the mundane and to focus onto the source. Now, this all speaks to me of putting aside yourself. And can you imagine how this has been going when I've come to the Lord and I'm preparing the message and the Lord says, now put aside yourself. I'm going, I'm trying to prepare the message, Lord. You know, it's... And it's resting in that focus as well. This all can only come out of a trust in God. You can only let go of all these things if you truly, totally trust God to do in your life what you can't do yourself. Out of the hunger and thirst for righteousness that Matthew 5, 6 says, there is that hunger and thirst that it's not like, oh, well, I just feel like something to eat. It's desperate hunger and thirst. Where we trust what he is doing out of doing, looking out for our best. I've got to read this again because I'm messing up my own sermon. Where we trust that he is looking out for our best interest implicitly without reservation. See, the purpose is, in being still, is to know God. In your life, if you're being still and you're not knowing God, then I think that's great, but take it the next step. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever draws near to God, that's being still, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And that he rewards those who seek him. We must realise that in our own life, God actually considers us worth being rewarded. Now, looking back through other examples of stillness in the Bible, we can go back to Genesis. And God walked in the garden in the cool of the day. He's looking for Adam and Eve, but they weren't there. They took off because they had sinned. But God wanted to walk with Adam and Eve. Exodus, they're going across the Red Sea. They're coming up to the Red Sea. And Moses says to them, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. Stand and do nothing. There is a, really a value, a major value in standing with the Lord and doing nothing. Elijah. Don't know how many of you know about Elijah. Elijah. 
go read 1 Kings 16 to 19 roughly and some are 2 Kings and you see that Ahab and Jezebel, Ahab the king of Israel marries Jezebel who's a daughter of a Sidian, she's a Sidian, daughter of the Sidian king from Sidon. God said don't marry these people. She brings, Ahab builds an altar to her god Baal. Uh, no, he, he builds a temple first, then inside he puts an altar where they're doing sacrifices to Baal. Elijah challenges the 450 prophets of Baal. I'm doing a, a thumbnail sketch here. You build your altar over here now and take this bull and sacrifice it, but you can't add fire to it. Right? This is Elijah. This is pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? The guy's saying this. And I'll build my altar over here and I'll put the bull on it with all the firewood. Now you go and call your God to set fire to it. And they go for hours and hours and hours and nothing happens. So in the middle of a drought, Elijah gets what? Water. Three lots of water. That's it. You know, pretty short supply. And he drenches the whole thing with water. He's got a trough around to hold the water. His faith in God's up here, isn't it? Would you like to be an Elijah? I'd like to be that. Be able to do those sorts of things. And then God comes down and he consumes it. And all of Israel says, this is the right God, that's the wrong one. And Elijah says, all right, kill all these 450 prophets. So they do. And then the next thing he gets a message saying from Jezebel. She sent this message and she said, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of, those, of them, the prophets, by this time tomorrow. So what does Elijah do? He hitches up his skirt and he runs for his life from a woman. I can understand that. No. <laughs> and he goes up and, the, and God says to him in verse 11 of 1 Kings 19, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountain and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of a low whisper. And then Elijah heard it. He wrapped his face in his cloak and went out because he didn't want to, he feared seeing the Lord and stood at the entrance of the cave. And that's where the Lord is, in that low whisper. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Quick rebuke, but it was in that low whisper. It wasn't in fury and power, which of God had all gone before Elijah. And so... God wanted to talk with Elijah in that place of a low whisper, in that still place away from everything else. Another example is Jesus. 
And it says often that, as was his custom, he went to the mount to pray on his own, just him, nobody else. I wonder if the glory came down and, you know, the, um, as when James, uh, Peter, John and James went up with him and had the, the revelation, whether that happened each time, I have no idea. They don't say, but Jesus just wanted, knew he needed to get aside and to pray on his own with the Father. And because of that, he went off to pray on his own and he walked across the water, across the lake. He went up to pray on his own. He came down and the disciples couldn't cast out this demon. And Jesus is saying it only comes out by prayer and fasting. And Jesus wasn't praying and fasting at the time. Jesus just cast this demon out. He'd been praying and fasting up on the mountain in that quiet place, that place of stillness with God. So with all this, what is God's part in all this? The verse said that in Psalm 46 that he is exalted, he is lifted up in the nations and in the earth. He's greater than all else. God wants to show to those who are looking a bigger than they can imagine experience. God's heart is totally to reveal himself in ways we cannot understand. It is totally outside our ability. These are the things where God really wants to work. <coughs> it's in areas that you just can't do it on your own. Often that's the last time we come and we call out to God, help, I need your help. But what God wants us to do is to just come and be still with him. Let me just clarify one thing at this point. Does this mean that we don't come to God for needs, crying out in desperation? Of course not. On the contrary, we do. It's not what we do, but it's how we're doing it. I was talking to um, John yesterday, and we were chatting, and I was saying to him, asking him a question. How does your, your friendship with your kids, your relationship with your kids... You know, there's various aspects with your children. They come to you when they need, need something. Or they're crying or they're hurt. They come to you when there's thinner time, so that, you know, to eat. And there are other times where they come to you solely and only because they want to be with you. They want to see what you're doing, they want to learn from you, they want to understand what's going on. And I was asking him how important was that and he was saying it was basically the most precious times he has with the children when they just come to him to be with him. And it's exactly the same with God. We come to him just to be with him and out of that relationship then we'll walk on water. Then we'll see demons cast out. As I was writing this, I was spending time to come and be still before the Lord, struggling because to empty my mind is like, I don't know, it's difficult. My mind's always running. It's analytical. It's always working on something. And I was coming and being still with the Lord and just saying, Lord, and then after a few minutes, I get on with the sermon. And then 
Yesterday, I had to, literally, I had to repent. Because I had another ulterior motive to come to the Lord. I was coming to the Lord because I wanted to um, get the sermon made. I wasn't coming to the Lord just to be with him. And so, it's easy to be caught up in the things around us, isn't it? To be caught up in what's happening. I want us to spend some time now just practicing on this. There are things in your life that God's given you. Has anyone been given a promise from God? Yep, I've been given one and it's come three times and I've had to cast it on the Lord. I've had to let it go. I can't keep looking for the fulfilment of it because it's outside my capacities and I'm looking to go, and it has to be God to do it. We have to let go when we come into these quiet times with the Lord of our desires, our expectations, even the promises that God's given us so we can just sit and be with the Lord to get empowered, letting him come into that place. We're going to sing that song again, I Will Exalt You. And I want us to stand and just make this time a time of really letting go. Saying to God, first of all, often you've got to say to God first, Lord, I give you these things. They're in my mind, I give you them. I just want to be with you right now. I want to let these things go. My job, my family future, my health, my relationships, I want to let them go and I just want to be with you because they're occupying space that you're not. So as the musos come up and we'll um, sing through this song, maybe you want to lift your hands, stand and lift your hands to surrender as a, a sign of surrender. That's what it is, praising the Lord, lifting your hands as surrender. Because this is a new year, and I actually believe it is a year of greatness in things of God. Breaking God, breaking through where we can't. Where we let go, God can then break through. Breaking into new areas of relationship with Him. New born again experiences where we have a refreshing touch from God. A year of seeing things happen that we've hoped for but we haven't been able to make happen I want us to spend today is the first Sunday of this year I'm very mindful of that that we come in and we just start this year fresh with God letting go of the things that he's doing so let's stand and sing maybe if you want to also I don't know some of you may want to come forward and renew your covenant with God just stand at the front and say God I'm here afresh to say, here I am, make me a new, a new revelation, a new person in you, to grow greater in you than I've ever done before. So let's take this time as we sing this, to cast the things on God and to take the time to be still just before God. Because His love for you, we cannot comprehend it. He's wanting to do so much in our lives that we cannot understand it. So let us just sing this song through.
I will exalt you. And as we do, just let God have all those troubles and things before you. Just cast them on him and say, Lord, I want to see you. I want to see you high and lifted up and your train filling the temple. I want to know that presence of you pouring through my life again in that fresh, new, born-again experience in God.